Almost by definition, anyone who listens to this show will have been deeply saddened by the recent death of composer Johan Johansson at the tragically young age of 48. Well, the moment has come for us to pay our little tribute as we talk to director Garth Davis about Mary Magdalene, the last film Johan worked on. I'm Edith Bowman and this is Soundtracking, the film music podcast in partnership with the EE BAFTAs, on which note we have news of a great offer for EE customers about a screening of the fantastic Call Me By Your Name before the end of today's programme. Before that, Garth will talk to us about Mary, his previous film line, and of course Johan, who teamed up with fellow Icelander Hildur Gonadottir for his final score and we'll play as much of it as we possibly can throughout the conversation, starting with a piece called Leaving Home. Welcome to Soundtrack, and it's an absolute pleasure to meet you, Garth. I'm such a fan of, of what you've done. Can we start with Mary Magdalene and why, why you wanted to tell her story? When I read this script, I was quite shocked that her <laughs> true story hasn't been told in yeah. over 2,000 years. I was just totally astonished. So, I mean, that was the first thing that struck me. But what really struck me too was that it was the first time this story from this time made sense to me. And it was a deeply spiritual story. I just got very excited about that. And and it really connected with me. I'm not religious at all. I'm very spiritual. But there's something that really spoke to me about this story. So I had to explore it. I mean, the performances in this film are perfect. Rooney is just, with very little words to start with, she has you completely on her side and with her on this incredible journey that this character goes on. What were the conversations that you two had about how she would play Mary and, and what she would bring to that character, I guess? I mean, I thought of Rooney almost immediately when I read it because Rooney is such a unique person and a unique actress. And when Rooney's in her silences, she opens up these universes and she has another worldliness. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rooney's tuned into somewhere else. And for me, that was exactly what we had to do for Mary. We had to create this idea that Mary was connected to God or to she had a spiritual calling that made her not fit in. And as a woman of that time, it was very hard to explore her spiritual calling. So I think that's what really fascinated me about Rooney. And also Rooney's just got a a femininity that's strong and a pragmatism, which I loved. I just felt that she could really bring a lot of herself into this. The film is all about the humanity and the believability. And the whole point of the movie is we're saying the kingdom's within you. Yeah. So my kingdoms were my characters. And somehow I wanted to find that alchemy in the performances, like just feel it in the silences that we're finding that truth. And that landscape as well is such character in the film as well. Well, I think something that really struck me in bringing that world back to life is just how much time they had with the landscape. And I don't know about you, but if I spend time in nature, I really do come in contact with my spirituality. You know, I, I realise I'm part of a planet and part of, yeah. a, of something that's unexplainable. And um, we get so caught up in our lives and our egos and our modernity. And I just think the landscape is a great healer. It's a big character in the film. And another wonderful part of your film, which has obviously got a sad end to it, is, is Johan doing yep. the incredible score for this. And I'm such a big fan of his work, and I've been lucky enough to speak to other directors that he's worked with for the podcast and stuff. Would you mind if we talked a little bit about his work and working with him and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, well, actually, I worked with... Um, it was um, co-composed. So yeah, it was Johan Johansson and Hilda. Yeah. 
first of all, it was kind of weird because I just finished my first movie with um, Dustin O'Halloran and, and Hauschka yeah. and realised that Dustin shared a space in the same studio. Oh, so wow. I, I obviously have this weird Awkward connection with Berlin. <laughs> well, no, 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 it's fine. I said, no, no, your music's not right for this. Um, I kind of wanted to bring the two of them together because I felt that they could complement each other. Yeah. I mean, Hilda really understood Mary. Yeah. being a woman and I just think she got it and then Johan had, had this kind of otherworldliness and I thought together that could be a very interesting prospect. Sadly, uh, we've lost Johan, and one of the songs that he focused most of his attention on was what we thematically call the Mustard Seed track. And I printed out a picture of a painting that I found, and it's like two people standing, looking up into the light, and there's all these angels that become more and more dense as the further you get into the light. So it basically, I, I was trying to explain this to Johan that for me, it's an experiential piece of music. It's not about memory or emotion. It's about the experience of ascension so it's, it's kind of ironic that um, he has passed and that the last song that he really focused on was about ascension.
we were recording the beautiful voices at Air Studios, he and I were standing in the room and we had that exact picture there for the artists and we were experimenting and getting the artist, the vocalist, to express that feeling and multiplying their voices and overlaying. And there was a point where that picture was created through the vocalisation and I remember looking over to Johan and he had a tear and I had a tear and he just had this little smile on his face. So he's quite a quiet guy, one of those kind of introverted geniuses, but I do know that the project really touched him. Was he the right person for this project along with Helga? I don't know. I, I just think that the way I work is that through production and I, I collect music that for me uh, captures Mary or captures a moment. So I work very emotionally. So I build up a repertoire of music on my iTunes and I play it on set and sometimes play it for the actors. And oh, wow. I mean, for me, music is the gateway to the soul. Um, <laughs> and I use music a lot, probably more than anything in my life. So I just kept circulating around Hilda and Johan. Yeah. So it just seemed to me that their music somehow had an authenticity and honesty and um, matched the rawness of the time. Yeah.
playlist for your actors then for each character or more for you? I did eventually, like I created a playlist for Mary, a playlist for Jesus, and then a playlist for the mustard seed. I was interested that to have a kind of an electronic quality because I wanted it to feel like it's just nothing to do with the world in the film. Yeah. So that it kind of had an alienness to it. Mm -hmm. So we did talk a lot about space and the universe and, um, you know, trying to write music that took us out of the earth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're kind of going from this earthly music into something that's just otherworldly. So as we're getting towards Jerusalem, you start to feel we're introducing this otherworldliness and it feels like we're on a tractor beam to some truth that we don't know about yet, but it's not of this world. Yeah, that's brilliantly put. That's yeah. so great. stuff would you have on, on the playlist? Would it, is it all instrumental or is it contemporary tracks or is it a mixture? Or? Well, in the very beginning I had a lot of Hilda's work actually, mm -hmm. um, very early on and just a lot of her cello work and yeah. just that raw, I kind of thought maybe I should just do this one string but what I quickly learnt, this is only my second movie so I'm still learning a lot about music, is that the music does have to work a lot harder. You know, the music has to bring us closer to Mary and um, so we did do a lot of work, we did a lot of reworking and um, it took a while for us to find the sound for this film. Because it is kind of a silent movie in many ways, um, music did play a big part in, in just making us feel connected to Mary. You know, there's definitely this idea that, you know, music is a, is a cheaper way of achieving something, but I don't share that and I, 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 I think music's really important and I also really acknowledge that the audience needs at times to be allowed that emotional opportunity yeah and and sometimes I find music can get too intellectual mm -hmm. which is fine for their friends to be intellectual together <laughs> but um, I think at times it's great to be emotional with music oh yeah but you've got to choose the right time for it and not do it all the time so I think um, uh, I think that was probably refreshing for them because I'm probably not used to working with a director who wants really emotional music yeah so I think that was new territory for them
Well, I mean, you did that perfectly with Lion. It was such an emotional journey, I think. What was lovely that I heard you'd said was that you'd heard from people who they'd found emotions in themselves that they didn't even mm. realise that they had. You know, the story unfolded and just so crazy to think that that was a true story. I'm a mum, I've got a five-year-old. Even just thinking about it, I'm like, ha, oh, I'm there already. Yeah, um, yeah. But the way that you dealt with that, through the music particularly with Lion, was it easy to do or was it hard in terms of holding back on that emotion? Because the whole way through, it's an emotional journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember? Yeah, no, I can remember. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think what I loved about Dustin and, and Hauschka, and again, I brought two people together to complement each other, there's just a raw honesty in their music. them play the piano they are so invested in the character yeah just the way they play the way the body arches over the piano and and the music accelerates and deaccelerates and it's emotionally bespoke you know it's mm -hmm. it's very beautiful and um it's never kind of imposing itself it's just with it they're always with the character yeah. so as long as you're just with the character then you're not forcing anything yeah so i think they just manage to do that very well
and also had a a sense of tempo and tension. Yeah. You know, like we we're getting closer to something, and um, that brought, I think, a great dramatic edge to the music yeah. and to the storytelling. Yeah. And then when you have, I don't know if you think of it as a luxury of, of having contemporary tracks and music that you can use. You mean uh, music you play in, in a real world, not a, uh, either not a in composed the real, piece? Yeah, because I mean, there's some great stuff in like Hercules and the Love Affair is in there. And... Yeah, it's trying to find things that capture a nostalgia or an emotion of that moment. What's the music that I remember breaking up with a girlfriend with or <laughs> that kind of music? I was a child, I knew that the stars could only get brighter
amazing to think that you're so at the early stages of your career and the success that you've had. Lion was phenomenal. We just the score alone, it was, you know, Oscar nominated, yeah, Golden Globe, <laughs> BAFTA. Wonderful platform to then go forward and stuff. And with that particular film, you must have known that it was going to connect. Did it surprise you? To be honest, I always believed that this was a story that was going to be universally loved. Yeah. I always felt it. And you'd say that to the producers and they, you know, secretly they hope. But no, I really believed in it. Yeah. And um, the deeper I got into it, I realised there was something very special happening. And once I'd shot all the little boy in India and that was successful, I knew that we were maybe going to make it because that was a big undertaking, filming with a five-year-old boy. So and the whole film rested on it. So once we'd gotten that over the line, I, I felt no, something very special was happening here. Yeah, it just, just had that magic in it when we were making it. I don't know how you managed to get a five-year-old to do that. I mean, I can't get mine to get up in the morning. Oh, me, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. I get my 13-year-old to get <laughs> remember growing up watching that had a, an impact on you, particularly with the music having a resonance with you? Musically, I often refer to like the piano, Yeah. Um, Out of Africa, The Mission, all those films have soundtracks that are very memorable, Deer Hunter. Oh, I um, so that, it's all music for me that is so iconic mm -hmm. that you could just hear it and you, it, it just has the heart of the story in it. And um, it's always been an example that I use is that I, I want a piece of music that has the heart of the story. So if you're hearing it anywhere, yeah. you've got that whole story in you. So that's what those films do, and I love that. The piano, Michael Nyman's score, yeah, isn't yeah. it? God, yeah, that was that was that was kind of special. commercial work prior to making features, music is such a, a, a huge part of the commercial world and, and how it stimulates and, and it can inject a journey in a short space of time I think sometimes beautifully and brilliantly. Did you, did you bring the experience of that in any way to, to when you started making features or did it help? Or? Yeah, yeah, I mean I've always had an unusual taste in music which is not everyone's cup of tea and I suppose I hit more snags in commercials because it is, you know, often the creatives have a bigger say on the music. Yeah. But when I moved into filmmaking, I had much more control. So that was exciting. But the other challenge was just how to make it all feel 
kind of concise and cohesive yeah. over over the length of the time. So I'm still learning um, about that, and I suppose it's just quite traditional, really, just looking for themes and how those themes can relate to characters or to, to other themes of the story. Yeah. I mean, I do approach it pretty classically, but, you know, who knows what I'm going to do next with it. What are your musical tastes? Oh, jeez. <laughs> to be honest, I probably listen to Bach more than anything. There's nothing wrong with that? Um, I just... Uh, he's high rotation. Something about his music that just very quickly takes me to a, an emotional place Yeah. that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, and weirdly, when I met Hilda was something that she had a love affair with as well, was Bach. Where did that come from? Was that through it being played as a kid or are you discovering it in a film or someone playing it? Oh, jeez. Um, you know, I grew up with Kiss and um, all that stuff, which I loved. I don't know, I think when I was, you know, at university and, and just had time to explore different types yeah. of music, I just stumbled across it and just felt an affinity with it. I mean, I listened to a lot of classical music, but there's something about Bach that just uh, really strikes a chord. I mentioned Top of the Lakes as well, oh, which yeah. you were part of. Which the first one, yeah. Yeah, I, oh, I love that series. So good. From the homeland, Mr. Peter Mullen, of course. Isn't uh, he beautiful? Oh, he's he's. I could watch him. I have watched him paint a wall. And my name is Joe. Very good it's film. One of my favourite. Is films. it? Yeah, it was really weird because um, they hadn't cast Mitchum yet, uh, Matt Mitchum, and I think Jane had made a decision on Peter Mullen, which I didn't know about. And I remember I was walking out of the production suite through the car park, and there was Peter Mullen, and I died because My Name Is Joe is one of my favourite films. Um, so again, I just couldn't believe I was going to be working with someone that I admire so much. And uh, he's just such a, a beautiful man and so generous. And he was, you know, because I'm not anybody to him. You know, I'm just a, a, a director doing my first gig, really. But he was very generous and supportive. And uh, he's a great human. I've heard that quite a number of times, speaking to Paddy Considine about working with him on Tyrannosaur as well. And, you know, how terrified Paddy was kind of going into that with it being his first feature directing and how gracious and generous and mm. supportive he was, you know, to be part of that team. 
and how yeah. he doesn't think he could have done it without Peter, to be honest. Yeah, Peter's Peter's a very special man. Was there a really good support framework growing up? Was film easily accessible to you? I mean, I love movies. I watched a lot of movies. Um, I remember when my father bought the first Betacam machine that was invented, <laughs> and it came free with Alien. And he goes, oh, what? let's watch this. Free? Yeah, wow. and I was way too young to watch it, but yeah. I think that changed my life. Yeah. Watching Alien, I just thought that was just so incredible. <laughs> yeah. And after that, I just got obsessed with movies. I didn't plan to be a director. Um, no, no, I was a fine artist and uh, designer, and I went to art college. But eventually, graphic design and all that moved into computers, and I couldn't stand it. I'd much rather be spray painting and screen printing. And <laughs> so I thought I'm going to muck around with video cameras, and and I kind of fell into it that way. Wow, I think the first film that I watched too young was The Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah. That Russian roulette scene probably shouldn't be oh, seen that. Yeah, that's still haunting me. It's too much. It's too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And um, what I did see uh, you say was true stories are great teachers. That's a great <laughs> line. That is a good line. Who said that? <laughs> you did. You did, God. But but in terms of both these stories, you know, you mm-hmm. found incredible truth in both of them. But what did you learn from both Lion and Mary Magdalene? Do you think? Well, interestingly, they both celebrate love, and in Lion. Uh, I suppose it's home is not the bricks and the mortar. It's unconditional love. So it doesn't matter if you're biological or not. If you give a person unconditional love, it's home. And it's as simple as that. And then I think in this one, it's also simple. It's saying that we should really celebrate the beauty and the power of our own humanity and that we should embrace unconditional love because that is where change can happen. It's not through wars and revolutions and politics and fear-mongering. It's as if we just change the way we behave. Yeah. And if we connect into that, we can really make a change. So they're, they're kind of similar themes. Mm. So I'm, maybe I don't know what the next love story is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, thank you so much for your time. I really, really enjoyed the film and I really can't wait to see what's next because, you know, if this is two films in, then, then long may it continue, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. A lot.
From the score to Mary Magdalene, that's Messiah by Johan Johansson and Hilda Gonadottir, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with director Garth Davis. My huge thanks to Garth for taking the time to talk to us. Mary Magdalene is on general release now, with Johan and Hilda's score available via our good friends at Editions Milan. You can find a Spotify playlist to the show via edithbowman.com where you can also subscribe to the podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do keep spreading the word of Soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Now, if you're an EE customer, we have some exciting news for you as EE are offering two free tickets to see Call Me By Your Name at selected view and audience cinemas across the UK. The screening's taking place on the 26th of March as part of the Our Screen initiative with each customer getting two tickets using the code EEBAFTA2018. You can choose your cinema and get tickets by heading to ourscreen.com forward slash EEBAFTA. That also gives you the excuse to have another listen to the episode in which we spoke to the wonderful Luca Guadagnino. Next up, we bring you composer Lorne Balfe, who we talked to before Christmas at our very first live soundtracking event at the BFI. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>